0: welcome to the living god our prayer is that this message speaks to you impacts you and inspires you please enjoy today's message and we invite you to contact us if you need prayer appreciate this word or would like more information on church of the living god be blessed today If you've been in church very long you've heard you've probably heard from james chapter one before but it's a good one, so it's worth going back to. Amen. So this week I'm finishing up my, my series on In His Word. Have you enjoyed it so far? The last few weeks? Has it added to you at all? Awesome. Awesome. I hope so. I'd sure hate to be getting up this early for no reason. <laughs> I'm just kidding. A recap from last week. Last week we were in 1 John chapter 1 and 2. And uh One of the things that the Holy Spirit brought last week was that God wants to wrap His Word in flesh again. Amen? You know, we know from John 1.14 that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. But that was not meant to end with Jesus. Right? The Word is meant to be wrapped in our flesh. Now, we are not deity. We are not uh, sent from the Father like Jesus was. However, we are His people. Amen? And His heart is our, or our heart is His home. And it is a receiving point for His Word. Therefore, God wants to put His Word inside flesh and bone again. He wants His Word to walk the earth. He wants His Word to walk into your job. He wants His Word to walk into your family, your home, your family reunion, your dysfunctional situation. He wants His Word there. The best way to do it is not from throwing a book on the table, but it's from putting it in the hearts of His people. Because once it's in our heart, it comes out of our mouth. All right? So... God wants to wrap his word in flesh and blood again. Uh, the word of life from 1 John chapter 1 it, it, in us is meant to be tangible. It's meant to be audible. It's meant to be visible. The apostle said, We saw it. We handled it. We heard it. The very word of life. The, the impact that came to the apostles was not what, just what they heard or read, but it was what they saw and experienced through Jesus. Right? Jesus displayed tangibly the Word of God. It was real. It wasn't an idea. It wasn't even something that he talked about but never did. It was something that he lived. And because of that, the apostle decades later writes to his children in the faith, and he says, hey, I saw it. I heard it. I put my hands on it. I was there when he healed the guy. I touched him. I saw it. I healed people myself because of the word that he spoke. So the word of God in us is meant to be tangible, audible, and visible. Verse 2 from that chapter tells us that the word displays itself throughout our lifetime. It's not just a salvation thing. It's not just a Sunday or Wednesday thing. It's a lifetime thing. Amen. The word of God, the word of life, it's for our lifetime, and it's meant to be displayed. Declaring what God has done through our life creates a partnership between us and God's kingdom. That's what verse 3 taught us in 1 John chapter 1. The life that comes from his word is meant to be light and eliminate the darkness in us. That was verses 5 and 6. The, the light that gets in us is meant to deal with the darkness in us. Amen? If you are more dark than you were when you started, something's off. Something's off. And I would wager that you're not getting enough word. Amen? Because that word gets in you and it challenges your junk. That word gets in you, that light gets in you, and it's supposed to push darkness to the corners. It's supposed to push darkness away. That's what light does in the physical and in the spiritual. Therefore, when that light gets in us, it is there to deal with that darkness, ultimately to eliminate it. If I allow his word to influence my steps, then I am in the light as he is in the light. The apostle said it like this, if we walk in the light as he is in the light... Right? That means the Word of God, His light, has to inform and influence my steps. When it does that, I make different decisions. I go different places. I respond in a different way than what a normal human being would. That is the light of God shining and informing my steps. And then lastly, we know that we know Him if we keep His Word. Amen. We know that we know Him. If we keep his word. That's the recap from last week. Well, this week, James chapter 1, we're going to be in verses 16 to 25. In the verses prior to verse 16, the apostle explains sin as one's own desires. He says, uh, men are drawn away, or sin is conceived when men are drawn away of their own lust and enticed. And sin, when it's finished, brings forth death. And then he leads right into this next saying about the word. Because he wants us to understand what sin is, and he wants us to understand what the Word can do about sin. So the point of this week as we wrap up this series is really to put a display, an exhibit on, to help you mentally picture and understand what it is to do everything that we've talked about over the last few weeks, to live it throughout a lifetime. This is what it it, kind of sums up in, all right? Verse 16 says, Do not err, my beloved brethren. Have you ever erred? in your Christian walk? Anybody ever made a mistake? Oh, man, absolutely, absolutely. Sometimes, hopefully, most of the time out of ignorance, sometimes out of willful sin, amen, done that too, absolutely. And being in the preacher's house, mine usually end up getting talked about. So anyway, do do not err, my beloved brethren, he says. Do not err. We have options now. Errors can become options. That's, that's gospel. That's good gospel news because otherwise errors is pretty much human nature. It's human. That's the saying, isn't it? To err is human. To err is human. Well, guess what? Do not err, my beloved brethren. I'm not meant to be human if I've got the word in me. I'm not meant to be just like everybody else anymore. I can be, but that's not what I'm called to be. Do not err, my beloved brethren. That's not what you're called to be. It's not what your kids and their kids will be called to be. Verse 17 says, Every good and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. A good and a perfect gift, that that phrase there, it talks about the giver and the quality of the gift that he gives. I've said this before, but... I'm sure when you were growing up, you had people who were not good givers in your life. Christmas, birthdays, you got the ugly sweater, or you got the thing that you, let's say like this, let's say you're like 10 years old and you got a gift that was for a little kid. Anybody ever get that? I've done that. I've experienced that. I had someone in my family who was absent from, largely absent from my life a lot when I was young. And so when, when they showed up, they would bring me gifts, and they were like baby gifts, you know, because I guess they still saw me that way. And, it, you know, you, as gracious as a young kid can be, which is not very gracious, you try to, you try to get through it, you try to deal with it. But what it tells you is that, man, they don't even know me. They don't even know, they don't even care to know me. They just walk up and hand you some, or, or we'll say like this. You ever had somebody just throw a gift at you? Here, here's this. Throw, it's in a Walmart bag. Here. No effort. No bag. No frills, nothing. Just Here's a Walmart bag. You know, it's, not, it's not a good experience, is it? The gift might be good, but you're a little mad at how it was given. See, God is a good giver, amen, and He gives good gifts. He sends things down the right way. He doesn't wrap it in confusion. He doesn't wrap it in chaos. He doesn't wrap it in misery. He sends it the right way. He says, in fact, sometimes the enemy sends things at us that way or people send things at us that way and somehow God pulls a magic trick and pulls out something amazing out of the misery that's been sent to us. Have you had that experience, right? Where somebody meant to bring it for your harm, but God meant it for good and he turned it around, amen? So when God sends something, he does it from the right perspective, he does it in the right way and he does it for your good. So when He gave us His Word, He sent His Word the right way. He sent it the right way. And it is meant to bring about good in you. It is meant to get into you and become something that says, Hey, I don't know where you got that, but that's not from here. I don't know where that came from, but I don't see that everywhere that I go. That's what the Word in us is meant to do. If you've ever received a nice thing and someone walks up and says, man, where'd you get that? That's what the Word of God is meant to be in us. It's meant to be something deposited that people see and hear and touch, and they're like, what is this? Where'd you get this? How are you not a mess right now? Because I've got the Word in me. And it's sourced from a giver with whom it is no variableness or shadow of turning, meaning he doesn't change. As good a giver as he was when he sent Jesus via Mary in the stable, he's still that good of a giver. Amen. As good a giver as he was on the day of Pentecost when he sent the Holy Spirit and all the gifts, he's still that good of a giver. As intentional, as purposeful as he was then, he is now. Amen. When he sends something to you now, it's for a reason. It's for a purpose. He's got something good that's going to shine out of it when he sends it to us. Verse verse 18, of his own will begot he us with the word of truth. Now here's some, some power here. Here's the connection to the word. Of his own will he begot us with the word of truth. In John 3, 3, Jesus has an experience with a man named Nicodemus, and Nicodemus comes to him by night. He's a religious leader, and he comes at night because he doesn't want anybody to see him. And he says, hey, what, I, I know you're from God, but what do I have to do to, to follow you? And, and Jesus gives one of the most uh, profoundly simple discourses in all of his ministry. He says, you have to be born again. And Nicodemus, being an intelligent man, cannot wrap his head around How how can a man enter back into his mother's womb again and be born again, is what Nicodemus says. And Jesus says, you have to be born again. You have to be born again. Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. The word of truth begot us. That's birthing language. Birthing language. Ladies, you remember that. Birthing. Birthing. He begat us with the word of truth. It was through the word of truth that we were born again. It's the only way it works. I have to receive the word of truth in me, and I am born again. So in verse 18, it says, Of his own will begot he us with the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. We were born again to be the first fruits of something new a new hybrid of human being, a new branch of the human family tree, the firstfruits of his creatures. Not the firstfruits of sin's creatures or the devil's creatures, but the firstfruits of his creatures. The word of truth did that in us. Verse 19 says, Wherefore, or because of that, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. I don't like that. Do you like that? I'm a pretty passive guy. It takes a lot to get me wound up. But if I, if I get wound up, I'm not going to waste that. Amen? You know what I'm saying? I want wrath. I want wrath. Oh, okay, you're better than me. I get it. Everybody's looking at me like they're better than me. You never want wrath on that kid who just did that thing to your kid? Or their dumb mom who won't do anything about it? Am I getting too, too personal? All right, everybody's getting it. All right. Wrath. You're not even better than me. <laughs> wrath. We want wrath. Wrath is human. Wrath is natural sometimes. Wrath is justified sometimes in our minds, isn't it? Up here, it makes a whole lot more sense than grace. It makes a whole lot more sense than mercy. But here's the thing. The word of God, when it gets into us, we need to be swift to hear. You could make the case that this verse may be implying that we should be swift to listen to someone. Okay, I'll give you that. But I believe within the context of the chapter, he's talking about the word of truth. Swift to hear what? The word of truth. Be swift to hear the word of truth. And be slow to speak. He must have knew 2020 was coming because that's not what our culture does. That's not what humanity has ever done, is be slow to speak and slow to wrath. If we're swift to hear the right thing, we'll be slow to do the wrong things. Amen? Let me say that again because that was Holy Ghost. If we are swift to hear the right things, we will be slow to do the wrong things. The word of truth, if it gets in my ears first. If I choose it over the word of my neighbor or my coworker or that person who's just throwing gas on the fire, amen? If I choose the word of God, the word of truth over that, then my response changes. Because if I do what I want, what I hear, then I am swift to speak. And I am certainly prone to wrath. I am swift to wrath. And, and we call it justice, but it's wrath. Good Lord, that's what's happening in our country right now. It's not justice. it's not reparation, it's wrath. Amen. Okay? So the Word of God in us, if we hear the word of truth, if we're quick to hear that, we will be slow to speak, be slow to type, slow to post. We will be slow to wrath. Why? Because the word of truth in us is going to mess with our narrative. The word of truth in us is going to challenge what we perceive to be happening because the word of truth is going to remind us that, you know what, God had every reason to pour out His wrath upon us, but He did not. God had every reason to speak a word of judgment, and He did not. Not just once. It's not just that we were that bad that one time. It's that we have been over and over again, even since calling Him Father and Jesus our brother and being in the family, we still do stuff like that sometimes. I've got to be swift to hear the word of truth that I may be slow to speak and slow to wrath. God warns us in this passage that we're going to have experiences that will cause us to want to speak quickly and pour out wrath quickly. He knew what was coming. He knows this life. He authored it. He knows what's coming. But the word of truth, if we're swift to hear it over everything else, will cause us to be slow to do what normal people would do. Verse 20 says, For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. The wrath of man. Our wrath is not God's wrath. That means our wrath is not just. Our wrath is not righteous. Okay, When God pours out wrath, He has every right to do it. He's the only one who does. We don't have that. But, but, but they did this. And then God could just as easily say, but you did that. How did you respond to it? Did you respond to it as an angel of light? Or did you come out swinging? It's an excellent question. Hopefully an angel of light, right? Hopefully. But not always. So God's, or man's wrath is not God's wrath. The righteousness of God cannot be worked through the wrath of men. My Lord, the the history of the church in the Western world would look a whole lot different if they'd lived that verse. Through the Middle Ages, through the Crusades, it would have turned out a whole lot different if we had said, you know what, our wrath is not God's wrath. It doesn't work, the righteousness of God. Because when our stuff gets involved in it, we go after what we want, not what God wants. Amen? All right, verse 21, wherefore? Again, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness. Fancy language. And receive with meekness the engrafted word. Receive with meekness the engrafted word. Listen, when you are swift to speak and swift to wrath, filthiness and naughtiness comes out. Filthiness and naughtiness comes out because your wrath is not God's wrath. But instead, receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. The word engrafted means implanted. The implanted word. We're talking about the word of truth. The word of truth that he begot us with. When he birthed us through it, it became part of us. Amen. It became implanted in us. He says, choose the implanted word over what your circumstance would dictate. Choose the implanted word over what you feel and sense what you want. Choose the implanted word. Be swift to hear that implanted word and slow to speak anything else and slow to pour out wrath because your wrath is not His wrath. Receive that implanted word, but be ye doers. Verse 22, doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. What does this mean, doers and hearers? Doers in the Greek means a performer, specifically a poet. In Greek culture, poets and thespians and all that stuff, it was kind of the same deal. They would get up and they would perform. That's what he's talking about. Being a doer is being a performer. Not not someone who is pretending, but someone who is performing out of what's in them. Does that make sense? Have you ever performed, performed poorly at a job and they let you know about it? Have you ever performed well at a job and they let you know about it? That's, nobody's raising their hands on either. All right, well. It happens. When you're young, hopefully, when you're young, you tend to get those lessons of what's good performance and what's not. And as you grow up, you start understanding what's acceptable and what's not. When it comes to the word of truth, he says, be ye doers of the word, performers of the word. People should not have to guess that you have the word of truth in you. Amen? I'm sure we've all known folks, this happens a lot in youth group, where it's like they find out that that someone goes to church, and you're like, wait, they go to church? Their performance doesn't show me that. Their mouth doesn't show me that. Their choices don't show me that. Who they surround themselves doesn't show me that. Where they go doesn't show me that. You mean they go to church? It's not a performer, is it? A doer of the Word is someone who performs it and performs it. Vice versa, the hearer is the audience. The hearer is the audience. Now, don't get me wrong. You can have an emotional experience in the audience, but you're not performing. If you've ever been to a big sporting event where it was this big miraculous win, you know, I I, I got to go with my dad to the LSU-UK football game, 15 years ago, whenever it was. LSU was number one. Kentucky wasn't even ranked. It was it went triple overtime win, probably the greatest win in the modern era, right? Awesome. It was awesome. It was a fantastic moment. The second it was over, the second they stopped that rush, and it was over, everybody lost it. But there were only about 30 guys down there who actually performed it for the whole game, 10 at the moment, 10 or 11 at the moment, Right? The rest of us, we had an experience that was emotional, as powerful, as memorable. But we didn't really have anything to do with the outcome. You with me? Right? There's a difference in being a doer and a hearer. I can sit in the audience and I can reap the fuzzies. I can feel good about it. I can walk out saying, man, pastor brought it today. Man, God was in the place today. He showed up and showed out. But did I perform any of it? And am I going to perform any of it tomorrow? Or on Tuesday or on Thursday afternoon when that coworker's being a dummy? Am I going to perform it? It's the question. Do you see the difference in a doer and a hearer? It's easy to sit in the stands and cheer. Way to go, God. It's something else to say, God, use me. Put me in, coach big difference. God used me. I want to be a doer, not just a hearer. We we got a lot of knowledge. We got a lot of good preaching. We got a lot of things that we see and sense and experience all the time. But are we doing it all the other time? Or for the hour and a half on Sunday morning, are we simply being hearers? Are we being fans sitting in the audience saying, man, that was good. Man, that was good. What a good service today. That was good." And then we stub our toe and lots of bad things come out. That's a silly example. But the fact remains, we we go to work and we turn into someone else. Are we going to be doers or hearers? Because hearers deceive themselves. Hearers deceive themselves. Hearers say things like, man, we won today. Well, no, you didn't win today. The guys on the field won today. Oh, man, our team, we're, we're killing it this year. We're killing it this year. Well, no, no, they're killing it. You're just enjoying it. You're reaping the benefit. Do we see the difference? Let's not deceive ourselves and be hearers only, but let's be doers. I want to be on the field. I want to be standing there taking the hits, but I want to be scoring the points. I want to be the one making the difference in somebody's life. It doesn't have to be thousands as long as it's a difference in someone. Amen? Hearers versus doers. So as we wrap up this, this series... What does it mean for someone who is in his word to live it out? What does it mean? It means that they have access to God's thoughts, desires, and feelings through his word. His heart is his word. Amen. It means that they hide his word in their hearts, which raises their resistance to sin. Psalm 119.11. Your word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. If we get that word in us, it raises our resistance to sin. They consult the council. Or the plan of God. The counsel of God stands forever. Psalm thirty-three, eleven. It stands forever. They consult the counsel, the plan of God, for every facet of their lives. They ask God about their job before they ask Google if they should take it. They ask God about what they do in the church house. They ask God what to do about their family. right? They consult the word of God, the plan of God, before anything else. They have a teachable spirit learning God's statutes and judgments, commandments, and ways. His Word gets into their flesh, and that becomes visible through their lifetime because they become doers and not hearers. Amen? In His Word, that's what it looks like. The Word gets into your flesh, and the Word starts living out your life. All the good, praise God, and all the bad in His Word. I want to be in His Word, don't you? Amen. Stand with me this morning. Thank you for listening today to the Living Godcast. We trust and pray that you are blessed by today's Word. If you would like to contact us for prayer or for more information about Church of the Living God, please visit our Facebook page at WinCityCOLG or give us a call at 859-745-1865.